Everybody say right side up. Come on, one more time, say right side up. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that we're gathered in this place to honor you, to glorify you. And this word that's going to be spoken, we pray that it will change lives, encourage us, strengthen us, and show us your way more clearly. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So in this series, we've been talking about being kingdom-minded people. And despite living in an upside-down world, we can live right side up when we align ourselves with the kingdom principles found in the Word of God. Now, we've talked about this every single week. I'm going to hit it briefly. According to the Word of God, there are four different arenas or types of government mentioned that we need to align with the Word of God and so here they are, you can see them on the screen. We started the last, the first week on individual. Uh, in this series, we've been working our way up from the bottom. If you're gonna turn the world right side up, you gotta start from the bottom and work your way up. Individual government. We talked about if you're gonna set your life right side up, first and foremost, you need to give your life to Jesus. Secondly, you need to be a disciple of Jesus. So come unto him and then come after him. Week number two, we talked about uh, kingdom family dynamics. We talked about uh, the roles of husbands and wives and children and kingdom family, the way the Bible explains it. I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to that. Week number three, we talked about the power and the purpose of the local church. And we talked about the church on a global scale is on the upside and not on the downside. And that the church is on offense and not on defense. Can I get an Amen. And this week, we're gonna talk about the one you've all been waiting for. Come on, all you people that watch the news all day. You're like, let's get the government. We're gonna talk today about civil government and their role biblically. In August of 1892, the Pledge of Allegiance was written by Francis Bellamy. And in 1923, the words the flag of the United States of America was added. And in 1954, in response to the communist threat of the times, President Dwight David Eisenhower encouraged Congress to add the words, under God, under God. I think I'm in a room full of people who know things go better when things are under God. Family's better under God. Church is better under God. Individuals are better under God. And a nation is better under God. Psalms 33 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It don't take long when you read through the Bible, especially throughout the Old Testament, you will see that nations will rise in prosperity and peace when God is the cent central part of their society. And whenever they remove God out of the central part of their society, they begin to digress, they begin to suffer, they begin to to struggle. What's fascinating that when you read through the Old Testament, it's not very, it's not long periods of time. It's actually 
frequent, almost generation to generation. It was different. Some would be focused on God. Others would not be. And so it's a generational fight. Every generation has to fight to keep the government under God, the church under God, the family under God, the individual under God. A quick history lesson will reveal to us that the tendency of man is not to be under God, but in fact, for God to be under us. In fact, when God's perspective is removed from the individual, from families, from societies and government, the next natural step for the government is to replace God. Are <laughs> you getting quiet? I'm ready for you. Whether we invite it or the government takes its liberties, it wants to replace God and be the highest authority. Who we trust in, who we have our hope in, who we depend on, who we're afraid of. And I know this isn't in the Bible, but I do wonder if, if we were to write the Bible today, maybe it would sound something like this, my government shall supply all my needs according to the treasury in Washington, D.C. Trust in the government with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways obey them and they will direct your paths. <laughs> For the government so loved a voting block that it gave its precious incentives Okay, I'm gonna leave it alone before I get canceled. Well, I'm trying, baby, I'm trying. When the government is in the place of God, politicians think of themselves as prophets. Political correctness is the new Holy Spirit. Being offended is the new conviction and being woke is the newborn again. And when the government thinks of itself as the supreme authority, it will, it will naturally reach out and step out of its lane and try to control the other forms of government. Do me a favor, guys, put that media picture back up for me, those four forms of government. When the government is not working, that was a crazy camera shot, when the government is not working properly under the biblical jurisdiction that God gives it, the natural inclination for individuals, for families, even the church, is to put the government as God. And when the government feels it has that permission from us, whether they take it by themselves or we permit it by our voting, they then start getting their hands in the church, start getting their hands in our families, start getting our hands in their hands in the individual. The less people are walking, this is so important, the, the less we as people are walking in personal responsibility and personal government, the more civil government is invited by us to take, its, to take that place of government. 
In other words, let me say it like this. Less government on the inside means more government on the outside. Now, some of you are like, can you get to the Bible, Pastor? I'm getting there. I'm just trying to get your attention. I'm not running for office. I should. I should just do it already. Let's just be done with it. I'm just kidding. And maybe perhaps the reason so many of us are frustrated with government is because we have made government God and government is a poor Lord and Savior. And it cannot do for us what only God can do for us. And so I wanna just take a few minutes today and we're gonna go to the Bible. What does the Bible say the role of government is in our lives? And then what is our obligation back to government, all right? So we're not, I don't, I don't want you to think I have any underlying political agenda. I don't, I'm not advocating a certain party. I'm not trying to hate on the government. And we're gonna talk about it today. So we're gonna go to the Bible, right? That's kind of what we do around here when we have a question. We don't go to CNN and Fox, we go to the Bible. Number one, if you're taking notes, the government is God ordained. This is God's idea. In the word of God, Romans 13, one, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So we're gonna explain this verse. We're gonna walk through Romans 13 today. Here's what this verse, I wanna come back to that very first line in just a moment, but it's letting us know that no authority on earth exists outside of God. And then it says, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The government plays a role, an important role, that individuals and the family and the church cannot and should not play. History will show you that without government, there's anarchy. History will show you that the church hasn't been good in government. The church is to be the conscience of our nation the government can be influenced and should be influenced by the moral standards of the church, but the government has its role that God has placed. Well, what are, their, what are they supposed to do? If you're writing notes, number one, actually I guess this will be number two, restrain evil. Romans 13, verse three. For the rulers are not a terror to good conduct. In other words, if you're in good, you don't have to be afraid of the government, but to bad. Well, you have, would you have no fear of those, of the, let me read this again. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then to do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Now he's talking about he, it's actually talking about government. It's talking about the first thing that government is supposed to do is to keep off evil, okay, to restrain evil. Now, here's what I need you to understand. You cannot legislate morality, cannot legislate it. There's not a law on earth that can make you moral. So this is why there has to be laws to keep us from being and against immorality. Law can't make you good. Only God can make you good. 
Government can't make you good. Only God can make you good. And, and there is not a law on earth that can make you love me, but we have to put in place things that can keep you from harming me. Does that make sense? There's not a law in place to keep you honest that can make you honest, but we can put laws in place that help prevent and punish those who steal. Now, we cannot, uh, by law, keep you from lying, but we can put laws in place to help prevent and against perjury and embezzlement. Am I, are you tracking with me? And, and the, the role of government scripturally is to play that role of restraining evil in the land. Now, now think of it as a, as a parent. Uh, I got two little kids and a, and a beautiful wife. And at my house and in my family, I'm the protector. And my job is to, to, to keep an eye out on potential threats, anybody with an agenda to harm my family. You ain't gonna get to my kids without going through me. I, I stand in front of them, in a sense, my family, and, and I protect them. What am I doing? I'm restraining evil. And th this is why it's important for us as a nation to, to honor and to support police. Be sure. And the reason being is their job is to keep law in order. And they're restraining evil. Now, I know there's a big movement right now about defunding police, and, and I, I hear the arguments, and, and there, are, there are groups of people that, that have a case, and they say that there are, you know, police are bad apples, and, and there are some bad, but let me just pause here. There's bad people in everything. There's bad policemen, but there's good policemen. There's bad pastors, and there's good pastors. There's bad fathers, and there's good fathers. But you need to hear me. We don't abandon the principles of truth just because somebody abuses it. Talk back a little bit. We support them. We honor them. We pray for them. Same with our military. They say in America that it's harder to get people to serve in the military because there's some, there's, some, there's some ideology floating that, that it's almost bad to be patriotic and to believe in your nation. Can I tell you today, we thank God for the military who have fought for us to be where we are today. They've helped restrain evil in times when our nation has been in, 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 in certain inflection points. We've needed to have that presence, and we thank God for those of you in this room today who serve in our military. We bless you, and we're glad that you're a part of our church family. So the government, according to the word of God, Romans 13, is God-ordained, number two, to restrain evil, number three, to encourage good, to encourage good. It says, it is for your good, the scripture says. So, so what their job is, is to to restrain evil in society and to encourage good. They can't create it, but they can encourage it. 
And here's what's important. They need to encourage good. What God says is good. This is important. <laughs> they need to restrain evil. Evil, what God calls evil. Scripturally, the government is not given permission to decide what is good and evil. They are to look at what God says is good and evil and then reinforce that those policies on the earth, or excuse me, in that nation. The problem is what we're facing is that we have people that don't know good and bad, and government is stepping in and deciding and legislating according to popular opinion what's good and what's evil. Romans chapter 10, verse three. Since they did not know the righteousness of God or they did not know good and evil and sought to establish their own. Look at the tendency of humanity. When they don't know what's good and evil, they will start to establish what's good and evil in their own eyes. They did not submit to God's righteousness or God's right way of doing Things. The danger we're facing in our particular government is that we are starting to create our own rights and wrongs. We're creating truths that are not biblical, that are not aligned with kingdom principles, and they are deciding what is true and what is not true. They are deciding what is evil and what is not evil. The Bible lets us know that there will be a time where people call good evil and evil good. And we're seeing that, that when they are supposed to restrain evil, or you could say punish evil and, and encourage good, what's interesting is that it, you're starting to see at times it can feel like the government is punishing good and restraining, excuse me, and promoting bad. Are you with me? Proverbs 29.2 says, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked, people who don't know right from wrong or good and evil are in power, they, they groan. Abraham Lincoln said, it is the duty of nations as well as of men to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God. What, what he's trying to communicate is what the Bible was trying to communicate, is that we cannot run a good government and a good society and good families and good individuals without being under God. So, responsibility of government is to restrain evil, encourage good. The responsibility to government is to protect, listen to these words, God-given rights. Now, this isn't, I'm not being an American, this would be all over the world. God-given rights. Well, what is God-given rights? People use those words a lot of times when they're debating, trying to win Christian votes, but let me just tell you something. God-given rights are found in Genesis chapter one, two. It's simple. I'll show them to you on the screen. These are God-given, meaning they were not given to us by any higher power in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Here, here they are, really simple. Life. Work, family, property. God-given rights. It's so quiet in here, I love it. God-given rights. Well, well, it's easy 
for the government to start stepping in when they think they're supreme and say, let us define life. Let me tell you when life starts. And so the argument is, is the baby a person after they're born or is the baby a person at the moment of conception? And if you're watching, the debate is massively swinging to after birth. But the Bible says that he was in utter seclusion forming you in your mother's womb. That's the Bible. That's truth as God sees it. Government steps in, starts defining words, starts defining the family, saying that you don't need a man or you don't need a woman or, or, or you can even just pick your gender and you can decide who you are and it's fluid to how you feel that day. I'm not being ugly, promise. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to be truthful. I can, I can try to be truthful and say it well with love. If you're getting mad at me right now, I don't know what to tell you, it's kind of your fault. But listen, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm not, I'm not. But I'm just, here's the thing. It sounds ugly in a culture that is so deceived. 30 years ago, people would have stand and stood and applauded over this. So, so the enemy redefining family, redefining life, redefining these areas, and, 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 and here's the problem. The government is thinking it's God. Are you with me? So, so we know in our Constitution, again, I'm not trying to preach Americanism, but just hear me. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their creator with certain, certain unalienable rights. That this is the role. These are rights, mm, these are not rights granted to us by them. These are rights recognized by them, given to us by God. Am I helping you today? Okay, so, so we've talked about the role of government. Notice it's very limited. And biblically, it is a limited form of government. I'm just showing you what the Bible says. I'm not trying to push anything. I'm just showing you what the Bible says. I'm gonna get an email this week. I know I am. I know I am. Again, if you wanna email me, you can email me at TysonCunningham at VibrantChurch.com. All right. What is, so we know the role of government what is our role back to government? This scripture talks about this. Here it is. Here's our role, our responsibilities back. Submit to the government. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Romans 13, 1. Go back to that top verse. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, listen close. Submission is different than obedience. Submission is an attitude of respect and honor. It is to be in alignment and it is to be subject with them and for the most part overlapping with obedience. But, but this is really important for us to understand. There may be people in this room say, okay, Pastor Ethan, I understand that. But what if the government this or that? When can we just be crazy against the government? <laughs> Is that guy drunk today? Okay, listen, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We got, we got, we got two reasons. Anyway, it could be more, but let me just, let me hit two reasons 
the exceptions to us submitting as followers of Christ to the government. Are you ready? Number one, when the government is forbidding that which God commands. Number two, when the government is commanding that which God forbids. I'm gonna read them again. If you're taking notes, put them back up there for me. When the government is forbidding that which God commands, when the government is commanding that which God forbids. Now, all you have to do is scan through the scriptures and you will see over and over and over again where things happened in the face of the movement of God that the government doesn't like. And the people of God didn't adhere to what the government said. For the most part, everybody's pretty cool. But there are times, like when Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill every Israelite baby boy, but the Bible says the midwives feared God more than Pharaoh and they refused to comply. The king of Jericho ordered Rahab to give up two Israel spies who can come to her house, who had, had come to her house. Rahab feared the Lord more than the king, so she refused to reveal where the spies were hiding. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were commanded to bow before the graven image, and it was violating the second commandment. They refused and were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel was commanded to stop praying for a month, but he refused, and they threw him in a lion's den. Now, now I think this is important, and I would go on record saying we thank God for God-ordained government. We thank God for policemen. We thank God for our mayors, and we thank God for city council members. They, they're doing what they feel is best to serve our communities and to reach people and to help people and pave roads. Let, let, it's a good thing, we thank God for it. But, but let me just go on record saying that we thank God for you, but you are not our king. There's no king but Jesus. And so we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Meaning we're gonna go along with the God-ordained government, but there may be times in the days ahead, hear me, where the government may command something that God doesn't imply that is good or is evil, whatever those points were. When those moments come, hear me today, we're going to have to remind ourselves that our kingdom is not of this world. We thank God for their role, but there's no king but Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? They told Daniel, said, listen, you can't be praying. We're gonna set a rule for one month you can't pray. Well, Daniel in his own heart was like, listen, this is just what I do. I have no king but God. And the Bible says he still prayed three times a day because he feared God more than he feared man. Can I tell you today, in the church world, we need to have more fear of God than we ever have fear of Washington, D.C., more fear of, of, of any office of politicians. Our king is King Jesus. We are citizens of heaven. We may live here, but we're not of here. We don't gather our values from here. So the moment 
that the government steps in and says, hey, listen, you can't preach that because I think those days are coming. I don't know when, but I think in the future there may be a day that they may try to restrain certain things to be said. It could be considered hate speech or it could be considered this. And I think those days are coming. But can I tell you today, no king but Jesus. I'm gonna have to still preach it whether they approve it or they don't. You can't gather in the name of Jesus anymore. We're gonna bar those doors. We're gonna, well, you do what you want, but I know what the people of God are gonna continue to do. If it's, even if it's in the living room, we're gonna gather together, we're gonna pray, we're gonna praise, we're gonna preach, because we've been doing it for 2,000 years, and the gates of hell have not been able to prevail. Somebody say, no king but Jesus. Here's, in, in, in trying to get us where we need to go, what is our next, our next step in obligation to the government? Everybody's favorite point will be this one. Pay taxes to the government. How many of you would like to pay more taxes? Just raise your hand. Just any. The only reason I say that, because it's in the Bible. Look at verse 6, Romans 13. Pay your taxes. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. They're serving God. They're playing a role. They may not be Christians themselves, what this verse is saying. They're playing a God-ordained role that is needed to function as a society. Pay our taxes. Here's his quick thoughts. Jesus paid taxes. He said that, right? He said, give unto Caesar what's Caesar. Give unto God what's God. We see that, that Peter paid his taxes. Paul tells us to pay our taxes. So, so just, we all wish it was less. <laughs> but it is something that God and his word is requiring us to do. And I think this is important. One, one quote I heard years ago, that the government is not a cow to be milked, but a watchdog to be fed. Last but not least, we need to pray for the government. Romans 13, seven, give respect and honor to those who are in authority. First Timothy chapter two says, pray for kings and all those who are in power over us so we might live quiet, God-like lives in peace. It is good when you pray like this, it pleases God who is the one who saves. Now, I want you to just look up here at me for a moment. Let's be honest. If you're like me, you've caught yourself more complaining about them than praying for them. Come on, let's be honest, it's just us. I'm guilty of this. I'm a little bit into politics. I like watching it, I, I listen in, I'm reading on it. But I catch myself having an attitude sometimes. Catching myself, because here's the reality, we don't realize how blessed we are to live here. And, and, and we live in a nation that still has the ability to speak freely, to gather religiously, to, 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 to if, let alone this sermon for sure, 
But, but there are people in my position all over the world that have been arrested, imprisoned, murdered today. We're not talking about 100 years ago, today. And I want you to know this, we're blessed to live here. We, we should thank God that when we wake up in the morning, that when we get the opportunity, we get to choose to come to church. It's not a state-empowered church. It's a church empowered by God. And, and, and it's something that we get to be a part of, and we're blessed, and so sometimes we can get a little bit of an attitude, and we say things, and we do things, but, but I just wanna encourage all of us, and maybe correct myself, in that before we complain about them, because I'm not sure I can stop yet. Instead of complaining about them, why don't we just pray for them and ask that God helps them and leads them and guides them and strengthens them? Because you know what? I want to be honest. I have never once prayed. I've never once prayed for the salvation of, past, uh, of President Biden's children. You know that? Have any of us done this? Has anybody ever prayed for Kamala Harris's husband to know Jesus? Has anybody prayed for the Congress's children? That they be safe when they travel? We want everybody praying for us. We want everybody praying for our kids. But Bible just said he put them there. And we have a responsibility as the church to pray for them. Well, Pastor Ethan, I've, trust me, I've heard some stuff that, that they're, they're demon-possessed. I've heard it. I'm not sure they're wrong, but <clears throat> I'm kidding. I don't like their policies. I don't agree with what they said. You know, when Jesus said to pay your taxes, when Roman, when, when Paul said to, to pay your taxes, it was in the government of Rome. It was corrupt. If our government is way off base and corrupt and this, does that negate the idea when Paul looks at Timothy and says, pray for them? Yeah, but Paul, they're kind of, these are not good guys. No, no, no. All the more to pray for them. And, and so today, I wanted to do something I've, I've never really seen anybody do, but you're gonna see on the screen behind me are federal, state, and local leaders. And you know, normally when I close a sermon, I'm praying for you. But today, we're gonna pray for them. If you can, please take your phone out and take a picture of this. I'll give you a minute to do it. I want you to take this picture, and I want you to pray for these individuals by name. Call on God. Our nation needs godly leaders. We so desperately need the righteousness of God in this land. And instead of us just throwing rocks from our pulpits and fussing in the pews, why don't we just get on our knees and call out to God and ask him to touch them and heal them and give them wisdom. So if you will, if you're comfortable, I'm gonna open the altars. 
If you want to sit in your seat, but I'm going to ask everyone to stand if you can. If you want to be seated, that's fine. This won't be long. But we need to pray. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stretch your hands forth to this screen. And let's intercede on behalf of our nation leaders. Father, we come in agreement today. And we ask you that you touch President Joe Biden. We ask that you touch his family, his children. We ask that your anointing be upon him, that angels will minister to him, your Holy Spirit will touch him. Father, where he is out of alignment, you bring him into the kingdom. If he doesn't know you, if he doesn't, if he's drifted from you, Father, we ask that you bring him in to the kingdom. We pray for Kamala Harris, her family. Pray the protection over them. Pray for Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, that you'll put your hand upon him and use him as a mouthpiece. Let him bring prayer and the presence of God back into the house. God, we pray for all the U.S. House representatives. We pray for all the U.S. Senators. We pray for all the support. Supreme Court members that your presence be upon them and will strengthen them and heal them and reveal to them your form of government. Father, we pray for Governor Tate Reeves, Lieutenant Governor Delbert uh, Hoseman. We pray for Lynn Finch and Michael Watson. Watson. We pray for Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker. We pray for Trent Kelly, Benny Thompson, Michael Guest, uh, Mike Azell, we pray in the name of Jesus that every name, that every knee will bow to you. We pray that your hand be upon them. We pray that you fill them with your spirit. We pray that you give them wisdom. We pray that you give them insight. We pray that they fall in love with you. We pray that in their place alone at night, in their beds, they'll begin to hear the whispers of your name. Whisper you calling them by name. And I pray every one of them will surrender their lives to you, Father. We pray for Mayor Keith Gaskin today that he'll have wisdom and insight and direction to walk in what you've called him to walk in. Father, we pray that you'll give him a vision for this community to lead this community to a more kingdom principled community. Father, we pray for all the city council, the, uh, Ethel Stewart and Joseph Mickens and Rusty Green and uh, Pierre Beard, I think, uh, Stephen or Stephen Jones and uh, Jacqueline. Man, these names are tough today, Jesus. Help me. The county supervisors, all of those names of Harry Sanders and, and, and Trip Hairston and John Holman and, and Jeff Smith and Leroy Brooks. Father, every name we bring to you, every name matters. And Father, forgive us for complaining about them and not praying for them. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, a spirit of unity. We pray that this nation will call on your name. We pray that they will call on you, be inspired by you, be instructed by you. Father, we pray that this land will have revival. We pray drugs out of our streets. We pray brokenness out of our homes. We pray in the name of Jesus, peace over this community, peace over this state peace over this nation. We pray over the election, God, that your hand be upon it, and we just trust you every step of the way, and we give you praise, and we give you honor, and we give you glory, and blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and only you, God, 
can make an upside down world right side up again. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe it, come on, give God a big praise in this house. I saw the Lord. Come on, let's watch the heard And he answered. trying to invade our families, trying to invade the church, trying to invade individuals. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You have no right, no jurisdiction. We are here to stand our ground and to call on the name of the Lord. And we stand here knowing that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may ask or think. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come on. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. If you're in this room today, you're in this room today, and you know you're on the way to heaven, you know you're on your way to heaven, do me a favor. I want you to raise your hand. You know you're on your way to heaven. You're on the winning side. Yeah, come on. If you're one of those people that couldn't raise your hand, I want to talk to you. Please don't leave this service without knowing Jesus. None of this sermon even matters if you don't know Jesus. We want you to leave this room saved, saved from eternal darkness. And if you're in this room today and you've drifted from God or maybe you've never known God, I want you to include yourself in this prayer. So why don't we close our eyes all over the room and say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. I surrender my life once and for all. I believe in you. Turn my world right side up in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big praise. Just want to remind you, we're thankful that you came today. Thank you that you, you came and through the, through the cold rain. Look at you. God bless you. We're going to give you the opportunity you can give on the way out. Our prayer team is joining us across the front. If you need prayer for anything, doctor's appointment, you're praying for your son or your daughter, whatever it may be, want to encourage you to make your way to the front. We would love to pray with you this morning. If you're one of the people that said yes to Jesus Christ, make your way to the front. We have some information and some material we want to give you in this journey of faith. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord show his favor and have mercy on you. And may the Lord watch over you and give you perfect peace. God bless you, church. We'll see you next Sunday.